What is going on, Bills Mafia? Welcome into the sit-down presented by Duff's Famous Wings, hosted by myself, the Sauce God, at Buffalo Sauce God across all social media platforms right here on the Built in Buffalo Networks, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Join with my co-host, as always, Mafia Montage, at Mafia Montage. How we doing, brother? Bills Mafia, Sauce God, how you doing? I'm good. Uh, getting closer, man. I love it. June 1st now, so we're going to get some stuff going on here. Yeah, we definitely have a lot to talk about. There's two free agents that, uh, well, not free agents necessarily, but two superstar players that we are talking about being rumored, linked to the Bills. We've got a couple of new signings to go over. And as always, our all, our usual entertaining segments, Victory Formation, Bada Bing, Forget About It, and all the good stuff. But first of all, if you haven't already done so, hit that like and share. Join us here in the comments. If you're watching on you, uh, Twitter, join us on YouTube so you can comment. Let's kick off that introduction video montage, and let's have a good time here in the sit-down. night 7 p.m eastern standard time you're live here in the sit down on the built-in buffalo networks facebook youtube and twitter this is presented by dove's famous wings and don't forget that built in buffalo is also in partnership with plb sports wester ticket iq and picasso's pizza and now mafia montage we have ourselves a little bit of countdown that we've had going since the end of the regular season had i'm sorry the end of the nfl season ended we got ourselves 98 days to go under 100 how you feeling it's not quite like when we get closer, I'll probably start singing. It's the final countdown, you know, and uh, I'm going to get real excited. But hey, under 100 days. So double digits now. And uh, I'm, I'm pumped. Yeah, I got a fresh haircut today, fresh beard trim. So I'm definitely feeling very good. I got the polo on today montage because it's the beginning of June. We've made it to June, meaning this is basically the last month without any sort of football, because next month we have to start a training camp. In August, we have to start a preseason. And then, of course, September is the start of the NFL regular season for the 2023-2024 season. Montage, I'm feeling good about it. We're getting closer, but we have ourselves a lot of Bills news constantly. You guys know that we have all been uh, waiting to hear what DeAndre Hopkins is going to do. We're all hearing about another potential superstar player that is interested in joining the Bills and another AFC East team. And we have some new signings, especially on that offensive line. But first and foremost, don't forget if you guys are watching on YouTube that our questions from Super Chat. Super Chat will get you higher, highly prioritized and it'll get your comment seen and we'll get your comment posted up there. And, of course, if you have questions, that's the best way to get it out there, asked and answered. Because Mafia Montage and I, we're a couple of big-time Bills Mafia fans. We got ourselves, uh, you know, I think we have a decent little bit of insight, wouldn't you say so? Yeah, I just started a job right on California Road, so I'm 
excited to see some progress on the new stadium build as well. Uh, not only uh, with the team, but uh, you know, I follow them pretty closely. So I'd say we're pretty tuned in dudes. Have they broken ground on that new stadium, by the way? Oh yeah. It's a, it's a flat uh, dirt now. Excellent, man. I mean, that's uh-huh. definitely a project that I, I can't wait to see just start. But it's the thing that makes that tough, by the way, is that we're going to eventually see, I'm pretty sure, the current location demolished, which, you know, a lot of great memories are there. In fact, they were just playing the Four Falls of Buffalo on the NFL Network, which I can never watch the whole entire thing because I start crying like a little baby. So uh, let's move forward, though. Mafia Montage, we've got ourselves a couple of big-time Bills signings. One of them is an offensive tackle that has played in the AFC East quite a bit. He's last played for the Miami Dolphins, had some serious starter snaps last year. Brandon Shell from Correct Montage. Why don't you take us through that signing? Yeah, good move. We released Brandon Bryan, a defensive tackle, uh, and a corresponding move, which is uh, a little bit surprising. But I think, you know, we added Puna Ford, obviously. So, um, you know, maybe that's the position we were deeper at uh, at this point uh, going into training camp. So I like that, uh, again, Brandon Bryant did get released on, on the defensive line as a D tackle, but adding Brandon Shell is to me, uh, a really great move. I think the ability um, for Shell to come in and push Spencer Brown is going to be very valuable. I think whether Brown ends up winning the job or Shell actually takes it from him, either way, you got to think that Bills are a little bit better off because now they've got a player with uh, 72 starts under his belt and played uh, a good amount for Miami last year. So I think that I, you know, I love the signing, and I think that the Bills are going to benefit um, one way or the other because either Shell's going to win the job outright from Spencer Brown or push Spencer Brown to be at his uh, top of his game. And I think that'd be scary seeing uh, Spencer Brown be, you know, unleashed, so to speak, and, you know, kind of un- unlocked. Maybe some of these guys think that, you know, they can unlock something in players. So maybe Cromer can this year. And with him uh, being injury free, I think it's. Um, going to be pretty good. So I, I was going back, watching a little bit of film on uh, Spencer Brown. I'm going to study his full season from last year. I've only got a game or so under my belt now, but uh, I think he needs to have a little more striking power and uh, be able to keep his feet moving. So I think Shell's going to help him with those type of things, a lot of fundamentals and um, just a big dude. I think that, you know, it's a great signing for this team. Yeah. He's six, five, three twenty four, Um, And he, 31 years old. So really the guy can still play. He still has maybe a good three, four or five years under his belt. And um, I, I think that this is a good signing because again, what does Brandon Bean talk about almost every single off season? That is increasing the protection for Josh Allen and adding protection and keeping our guys safe. So, I mean, any move that's going to help solidify the competition because competition is good. I mean, even if you got a couple of all all pro tackles, really, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. You want to add competition with one another, and you also want to have the best guys out there on the football field to protect Josh Allen. And I think that we are still weak at that offensive line position, but the signing of Brandon Shell makes it a little bit less weak, in my opinion. I think um, – do I expect him to start at this moment? I think so. But I wanted to ask you this, Montage. Um, do you think that Spencer Brown – his fall off play, you know, he had a fall off and play basically from his rookie season to his sophomore season. Right. And do you think that's mostly attributed to his injury or what do you think it was most attributed to? Yeah. When you talk about Spencer Brown, that's kind of what I'm formulating right now, as I'm looking back at his last season and trying to figure out, you know, his in the early season, the way he, uh, you know, his stance and the way he kind of gets into position, he's not quite, um, 
grounded enough to then make a move and kind of strike somebody with force. He's kind of playing patty cake with him, really letting letting the guy get into him and then just trying to use his size to kind of guide him. And I think that, you know, when you are injured, you're trying to do anything you can to kind of move guys like that. It just so I think it definitely has effect on has an effect on him. But I want to see kind of later in the season if, you know, it gets any better and see where it goes. I didn't think he got better as the season went on based upon PFF grades and things like that. So we'll see. I'm going to go back and try to look at a little bit more. I've been following the Trench Warfare podcast with Brandon Thorne and trying to get an idea from Brandon Thorne a little bit on how, you know, what he's looking for in some of the guys and watching some highlights of other uh, right tackles in the league and seeing some of these guys, um, the young kid from Seattle, his name's escaping me now, but really, really good uh, tape that, that I was watching there too. So I, I really think that Spencer has got to, you know, be more grounded and set himself up to actually deliver a strike to his opponent rather than letting his opponent get to him and just trying to move him in a certain direction. So. And for those of you just now tuning in your life here on the sit down on the built of Buffalo networks, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, this is presented by Duffs. And of course I'm your host, the sauce guy at Buffalo sauce guy here with my co-host at mafia montage over there on Twitter. Check them out. But uh, we have alongside of the signing of Brandon show. We also have a signing of a receiver today, but I want to remind you guys, if you haven't already done so hit that like and share button too. And we have plenty more to talk about too, because actually montage, this was something that we didn't really discuss much of, but there's, some updates on Leslie Frazier. And of course, there is now a second superstar player that is being linked to the Buffalo Bills, maybe not at the wide receiver position. We still have some updates on DeAndre Hopkins and all that much more. So stay tuned with us here in the sit down. So Montage, the newest signing at wide receiver, it just came through, um, I don't know, maybe a couple hours before we went live here, is Marcel Aitman, who was previously playing in the XFL, six foot four. And he actually recently played for the LA Raiders, I'm sorry, the LV Raiders from 2018 to 2021. So he does have some NFL experience, but he last played in the XFL. And that's kind of why I'm a big fan of the XFL, USFL, or whatever any sort of amateur, sort of professional football league in existence because these guys need a chance sometimes to develop more. The NFL is a lot of pressure. The NFL is also, oh, it's a wear and tear on not only just your physical your your physical, uh, your, your physicality, but more of your mentality as well because it is a draining lifestyle. It is not exactly something that all of us are built for. So this kid obviously goes to the XFL. Bills saw that he uh, definitely has the size, six foot four, and that seems that it's something that the Bills think that they've needed to add with the, you know, the uh, drafting of Justin Short and being linked to DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is a big guy as well. So I think the Bills are just trying to add a competition for bigger guys that could be huge red zone targets for Josh Allen. And I like that. I've always thought that even though Stefan Diggs has great separation, Gabe Davis is a really strong dude. He's got great size as well, and he has great speed. I've always thought that we could really use a Julio Jones type of like physical, you know, like just something like that, right? Six foot four, 225, that type of big guy. And that's what we drafted with Justin Short. Now we signed a guy, Marcel Aitman, who I think is going to compete for a practice squad position. I don't necessarily know if he's going to compete for a 53-man position, but I like it because if you don't get DeAndre Hopkins, what do you do? You add competition at the position. You look for guys that have similar physical assets like uh, like DeAndre Hopkins would and similar intangibles that DeAndre Hopkins does. And there's there's the CEO right there, Mr. Dave Myers. We, we, we are not worthy. Uh, but Montage, I like the signing. What did you think of the signing of Marcel Aitman? I was interested. I tweeted about, um, you know, him being on the tryout yesterday and, and being worked out. So I was doing a little research on him and uh, solid, solid uh, signing. I think, 
you know, a, a veteran that hasn't played a lot of NFL snaps, but, uh, you know, maybe can come in and at, at the very least motivate some guys, I think. So the, the Bills did release Braden Johnson as a uh, corresponding move to signing Aitman. Um, some of the questions and some of the comments on on Twitter for from that signing were things like, does that take us out of the D-hop sweep, sweepstakes and, and this and that? So I think that um, it more so to me says that they're looking to put the best players on the field that they can and they're going to bring in the best guys they can get. Um, I think that's simple. So um, Trey coming in here, I think, you know, very good point. We don't require D hop, but we do require a top 15 pass rusher. We do need a pass rush. And I think that um, with Vaughn's status being questionable, even though I've come out and said, I think he's going to play week one, just my own opinion, not based on anything I've seen um, other than his press conferences and the way he, you know, has conducted himself in the media and in the videos we've gotten to see from OTAs. But I think that it's a really good, um, you know, it's a really good possibility that he plays earlier in the season than people think. Um, they got a decision on whether to put a, put Von Miller on pup. So with the pass rush, we definitely need to, um, you know, figure out if we can get someone near his stature to kind of fill in at, at minimum and then be down the stretch with the rotation uh, and pivotal piece in the playoffs, I think. So um, I think, you know, Dave's got a good point here. Brandon Shell. Very underrated. I think, again, he's going to push Spencer. He could win the job. And I think you said that as much yourself. You expect him to actually take that job from Spencer Brown. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's a huge signing, I think, for the Bills. It's not going to be necessarily a Pro Bowl guy, but it's going to be a guy who's going to be, uh, you know, steady as he, as he goes kind of starter. You're going to know week to week that you can get um, solid play out of him. I don't know that he's going to, again, be like any all-pro level, but it's definitely a solid veteran there and i think that's what they needed to bring in i think he's kind of perfect uh to bring in and complement what's already in that room they got david edwards on the inside at the guard position who's a veteran now they got brandon shell on the outside a veteran so we do have along with connor mcgovern um just a solid uh, offensive line room now i think these guys are uh, gonna gonna change things quite a bit they're gonna change uh, a lot of what is called because they're going to be more comfortable doing other things that they couldn't do with the last um, offensive line we had last year. So another underrated aspect about the Brandon Shaw signing too, is the fact that he's played so much in the AFC East. So he has familiarity with who we're going to be going against twice a year um, with the Miami Dolphins. And most recently, obviously also with the jets. I, I don't know. Did he spend time with the Patriots as well? Cause like this would be obviously complete the AFC East tour for him. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so I mean, I like that because if you have familiarity with the guys that you're going against in six games of the year, that's huge because we all know that the AFC East has become so much more competitive to the point where I think the AFC East truly being unbiased here, I think the AFC East is the best division in football. I think that all four teams are going to compete for a playoff spot. I think the Bills are going to obviously take the division and there's no questions asked with that. But I think, again, we saw last year that basically all four teams were in the hunt until the final week of this, you know, the NFL season. So I'm excited about the signing. I think it's good. I really think that this is another underrated signing, yes. But I also like that how it's paired up with the Osiris Torrance drafting. You know what I mean? Like these are underrated guys that we're finding for that offensive line that are going to come in and hopefully bolster up that offensive line to the point where Josh Allen has time to throw. He's comfortable. We don't have to worry about the guy getting hit and injuring his elbow any further because he's being protected. So I like the signing. I also like the Marcel Aitman signing, and I think that we've done well addressing the wide receiver position in the offseason with Deontay Hardy, 
Um, I can't think of the other one right now too, but we've done Trent very Sherfield. well. Yeah. Exactly. Trent Sherfield and then Justin Short drafting him as well and getting him, you know, later in the NFL draft. I thought that was a, a low-key signing as well, uh, a low-key drafting as well. So I like what the Bills are doing. Um, and Montage, I just think that this kind of sets us up for if we don't get DeAndre Hopkins. But there is some later news on this whole thing with DeAndre Hopkins. He tweeted three monkeys, one with the eyes closed, one with the eyes open, and one with the eyes closed. Montage, what did you make of his tweet? Yeah, I guess it was, uh, according to Twitter, it was, you know, uh, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. So that's what it's supposed to mean, supposedly. And uh, there's a bunch of links to certain tweets being put out there. And uh, Diggs' tweet versus uh, uh, the D-Hop tweet kind of continuing it. Uh, Diggs saying loading, and then he s- says that. So um, I think that, so Diana Rossini came out at ESPN today and said that, um, you know, the bills aren't going to go hard after D hop. They're not going to pursue him with any sort of vigor, but they're going to kind of wait and see how this all plays out. It's the same thing they did for every other free agent they've done. They've waited, they waited out Puna Ford and got him on a cheap deal. So, you know, that's the kind of same thing. Um, another guy that we signed escaped me now, but you know, we got two players that way, um, you know, by waiting them out and then signing them to a team friendly deal. And I think that's going to come right here. And so I, I wanted to get to this topic uh quicker than maybe maybe you would have thought just because i want yeah, to highlight actually, this comment. let's go into this because this is a very intriguing one for me yeah so dave's saying to come in here trade for aaron donald and then forget about d hop at all run a first for donald sign me up all day i think you're absolutely right donald would put the bills over the top completely now does um th- does he pl- i guess is he gonna be able to play for three to five years more i don't know would hope he would. I think he's young enough to play, but if he, but if he's not, um, if he's not going to play uh, for up to three years, then I think I'm kind of out on that because it's the same situation. Then you're not going to have a guy for a longer time, but as long as you can get like a three-year commitment out of Donald, um, absolutely make that deal. Yeah. See, here's the only thing that I think when, when it comes to, you know, forgetting about D hop, the only thing that I don't like about him not signing with the bills would be because he most likely signs with a team like the chiefs, which I do not want to play against the Kansas city chiefs with Deandre Hopkins and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. I'm just saying that right now. So, however, a great way to counter something like that would be to add a guy like Aaron Donald, who I still think is going to at least play three to five more years. I think when he talked about retiring, it's because he came off of a Super Bowl ch- a championship and he was looking to get paid. And obviously it worked. I mean, the guy is at the top of his game. He's still one of the most elite pass rushers in the game. And that's at the defensive tackle position. Him, Vaughn Miller, Greg Rousseau. Shaq Lawson, Jordan Phillips, that whole entire, that would be absolutely terrifying. Now, do I think that the Rams would go for a trade like this? Is a first-round pick and Ed Oliver enough? I don't know. I mean, I know the financials will still be tough to work out, too, because of how, how much that Aaron Donald does get paid. But then again, you're also unloading some of the Ed Oliver contracts. So the financials might not be as difficult to go and get a guy like Aaron Donald. But I would definitely give up the draft capital for it. Do you really think that the LA Rams would go for a trade like that? That's my question to you. Yeah, they've been unloading a bunch of people, uh, Jalen Ramsey and, and all that. So I think that they definitely would go for it, especially getting some draft capital back. They've the got to get rounder. some draft capital. That's and then true. we have 10 picks next year. So that doesn't prevent us. Like our pick's going to be the top, the 
like basically a second round pick anyway. So if they were able to take that, then we could pop into the, you know, last 10 picks of the second round or the first round with all, you know, some of our 10 picks that we have anyway. So it'd be nine picks, I guess. But, you know, we have plenty of draft capital to go up probably. And then if we needed a guy at the end of the first round, still go up and get him. It's not like we're going to be picking in the beginning of the first round anyway. So I think that's, that makes that trade even more um, beneficial for the bills and even more, uh, appealing in the eyes of the fans, I would say. And so I, so I definitely get that. I think that, um, you know, the front four that, D- that Dave mentions here, Vaughn, Daquan Jones, Aaron Donald, and Greg Rousseau, I think, yeah, how much would that push Rousseau? That would just be huge. I think so. Um, yeah, I like it. John's I mean, coming in I, here that I, the, the chiefs have less cap too. than the bills. I just want to address this one too. It's like, yes, but the chiefs can weigh, uh, can much easily, much more easily cut or restructure contracts to get especially uh, Patrick Mahomes, which has a than, lot of money involved. Bills. So, yeah, yeah so I mean, that's what you have less about. on the books right now, but they can also do a lot more, uh, you know, cap gymnastics, so to speak, to to get to where they need to be. So sorry, mm-hmm. you were going to make another point and I kind of cut you off there. What do you got? No, it's 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 good because I, I again, I, I think that the Rams, I like that you're saying we're going to draft at the end of the first round, because when you say that we're drafting 32nd and you're trading that pick, basically, then it's like, oh, that's OK, because, you know, obviously mm-hmm. trading first round picks in the past has kind of hurt us. But then again, it's also helped us when we got a guy like Stefan Diggs. Anybody uh, that ring a bell? But I think that it's definitely possible. I think that you made a really good point that the Rams are kind of rebuilding. Um Obviously, Matt Stafford is locked up for the future, but right now unloading players like Jalen Ramsey to the Miami Dolphins and Aaron Donald is probably the most likely to the next to go because I just don't see them trying to build another Super Bowl team around Aaron Donald, who as good as he is and may quite honestly be the best player in the NFL at times. Um, I just don't see them building around a guy like that when they are looking to get a maybe a younger quarterback because Matt Stafford, he's getting up there in age and he's obviously had a a lot of injuries in his career as well. So that could be something that we're looking at on on, uh, in the upcoming future for the Buffalo Bills. But let's go back to D-Hop for a minute because I actually wanted to to discuss a couple of ways that the Bills actually could clear – because everybody's been coming at me all week. We don't have the money. We don't have the money. Okay, I understand that. But we can still restructure the deals of Deion Dawkins. We could still restructure a deal of uh, Tredavious White. There are definitely a couple of different ways. And then maybe getting rid of Ed Oliver when it's now post-June 1st. So – Maybe that could free up some more money. You can extend guys as well. So you can extend Daquan Jones. Jones, Exactly. So, I mean, if you had any more comments to how the financials actually could work out, let us know, Montage. Yeah, no, I think that, you know, it's been well documented. I've I've been reading a lot about it. I think, you know, there's plenty of ways to go about it. Um, I would like to try to get as much money by extending guys versus restructuring just because, then it really does. Um, I think that has a bigger impact down the road uh, on the restructure. But, you know, I don't know. I, I guess depending on which one would be the most friendly, team friendly to do, I would think extending a guy might be. But, uh, you know, I think that's that's what I would try to do first. But again, I think with the Diana Rossini um, coming out and saying this, and it's what we kind of all knew, but the Bills aren't going to go um, 100 miles an hour at getting D-Hop. They don't think that they need him to get over the top. They don't think they need, you know, that player. They're not that one player away. They think they got everyone they need in-house right now. And you see them mm-hmm. kind of adding that, you know, adding pieces to to bolster their, you know, practice squad or, you know, guys that are going to come in and push in camp. And so I think that Brandon Bean said there's not going to be a splash signing at the beginning of this. And 
you know, I'm not so sure that D hop won't come to Buffalo, but you know, the more and more we wait, the more and more, I think it's less likely because I just think some other team's going to be irresponsible and do what Baltimore did for Odell Beckham and just go out there and throw a bunch of money at him and, you know, make him an offer he can't refuse. And I think that that's, what's going to happen ultimately. Now, what is it with two, especially Odell Beckham, same example, what is it with some of these guys saying money's not all that important, but then like, you know, news comes out later that they are seeking top dollar. <laughs> it's like, yeah. just go one way or the other. I mean, you've made your money, you want to win or what? But I know that right now it appears from everything that I've heard that the most important thing to DeAndre Hopkins is, is getting paid. And it always has been since he's been in Houston. So I've heard that there's rumors he might go to the Cleveland Browns to play with Deshaun Watson and reunite with his former quarterback. I've also heard that he might go back to the Texans, who have obviously C.J. Stroud they just drafted. So do I think that we need him? No, I really don't. I think that adding him obviously makes us super-duper-duper-duper more scary. Yes, but do we need him? I don't think so. And I think that it's going to kind of segue us into our next one here. But if you guys are just now tuning in, you're live here in the sit down. This is presented by Dove's Famous Wings right here on the Built in Buffalo Network's Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. If you haven't already done so, like, share, retweet. If you're watching on Twitter, retweet. Come on over to YouTube, subscribe to the channel, and then join in on the comments. Because, hey, don't forget the Super Chat is heavily prioritized. So, Montage, now this has just come out today. And then I'm not really entirely sure about, but... Dalvin Cook wants to play for either the Bills or the Dolphins. He gave a wish list of these two teams. What are your What are your thoughts on hearing this? Yeah, not surprising about the Bills. Kind of surprised about the Dolphins. I don't know. I guess they're uh, from South Florida, so he wants to go home. That's why he would want to play for Miami. But um, the Bill, the Bills, um, makes a lot of sense because he wants to be with his brother. Um, you know, if we didn't sign Damian Harris, I think that would be great. But I'm kind of excited about the thought of having Damian Harris on the roster this year. And I think the Bills are, too. I think it would be way more expensive to try to move on from Harris in any capacity to get Cook. And I don't see the need for bringing in Cook um, to cut uh, the kid we just signed, Latavius Murray. So I, I think that, you know, for Cook over Latavius Murray, I wouldn't even really necessarily do that because it's going to be at a higher cost than Murray costs us now. So I think that's probably a no from me. I wouldn't necessarily do it unless there's some, uh, you know, circumstance where it makes sense financially, if it's cheaper than a Murray or something where we can cut that guy. But I, I'd rather have Damian Harris and James Cook than uh, James Cook, Delvin Cook right now. I want to see what this is going to look like. I'm kind of excited for that. Yeah, I don't think that Dalvin Cook coming to the Bills makes a lot of sense other than him playing with his brother because we already have James Cook set to take over the RB1 position. We signed Damian Harris, Latavius Murray. We still have Naheem Hines on the roster as well. I just don't think that we want to bring in a guy that is going to want to have somewhere from 17 to 25 touches a game, right? Even though Dalvin Cook is an explosive playmaker, he still definitely has a lot left in the tank. And I think he's kind of kind of taking the Stefan Diggs route, you know, where you're kind of being pushed out by your current offense, you know, the current offensive scheme over there in, in Minnesota and wanting to go play somewhere else where you might be utilized differently. But I just don't think that he has, I don't think that we have the availability to give up capital per se an offense for as far as targets and touches. I just think that James Cook gets what he gets. And then we're looking at Stefan Diggs most of the game. We're looking at Gabe Davis, we're looking at Dalton Kincaid now, Dawson Knox. We still have a ton of other players to address and other weapons on this offense to where I don't necessarily see why we would go after Dalvin Cook 
who has a lot of money on his contract, and as well as it would take, obviously, draft capital to go get him. Why sacrifice draft capital on a position that you don't need right now? If it was something that we needed, we would have drafted a guy. We didn't draft any running backs this year to necessarily step into that role. So I just think the Bills are all set with this. I think that, you know, the Bills are going to be a team, though, that most teams are going to want to play uh, play for because of how they are built. They are built to win a title. They are built with, the best, in my opinion, the best quarterback in football. They are also built with a great defense. I mean, that's the blueprint for a superstar player to go and chase a ring, per se. So – I can understand why Dalvin Cook wants to come and play for them. I don't understand Miami. You know what I mean? They're going to have that fun time of, you know, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, which we're, where we're going to go this time. So I don't necessarily think it makes a ton of sense, but I understand why he said it. Montage, let's take a look at some of the comments real fast that we may have missed so far here in the sit down. Did we miss any? I'm not, I'm not sure. missing any comments. Uh, uh, Harris can be used in the red zone. Definitely. I think that, um, you know, I think we definitely want to see what we can get out of Harris. I think that we already are set with our running back room and I, I wouldn't really want to add another guy with Delvin cooks, um, not baggage per se, but he's got a, you know, he's a accomplished player in this league. He's a very good player. And, you know, he would want to try to push his brother for, for those touches, like you're saying. And I just, why would the oh, Dalvin Cook that? comes over here. Sense. He's immediately trying to command running back one. I mean, that's there's yeah. no, there's no, there's no if in between about that, you know. So yeah, I just, I, I again, I think that yes, again, it would be exciting to add, you know, an explosive weapon like the guy. But do we need him? No, we don't. We don't necessarily have what it takes to go and get him. And there are other needs that we could address instead of another running back. Right? I like it though. I like all the excitement that gets put around the Buffalo Bills, and I like all the hype that leads around the Bills. And there is another topic right here. We all know the defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier, has decided to take a year off, basically. And after this season is complete, I believe he will be free to sign anywhere else as a head coach or as a defensive coordinator or whatever he may seek. So the latest on Leslie Frazier that I heard about is that he's actually going to go around and kind of watch some OTAs of other teams and stuff. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Like that because from what I'm, uh, from my understanding, he can't have communication with the Bills, so it's not like he's going to go spying on teams for us and then relay that information back to us. But again, I bring this up because... I think that Leslie Frazier wasn't necessarily – I don't think he took the year off. I think he was kind of pushed out. And, you know, and to do so in a respectful way, to kind of give him a year to evaluate what does he want to do. Does he want to still coach? Does he want to go somewhere else? Whatever he wants to do because of the respect that we have for Leslie Frazier and what he's done for this organization and for what he's able to have been able to accomplish in the NFL as well. I just – again, I think that he was more forced out just because the Bills have a different – uh, maybe a different way that they envision this defense to be played this year, Montage. But what do you think about the late, uh, the latest on Leslie Frazier and and going around and and maybe checking out some other options for his future? Yeah, I think the McDermott and those guys are going to have no problem with doing that, and I don't think the league's going to have a big problem with doing that because um, you know he's not able to have the contact with the Bills. So I think that um, you know it's a it's a cool, it's a good situation that the McDermott was able to handle. I think it's they they have hard time saying like goodbye to people. So for me, um, you know, it's it's cool. I think you're um, you're gonna want the best for Leslie Frazier at the end. I think he was a vital part of this organization, and you have the utmost respect for him. So it's just a matter of letting him kind of do his business without um, 
you know, compromising any, uh, you know, sort of fair play and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, I wish the best for Leslie Frazier, obviously, because of what he has helped build this defense into and all that uh, the Bills defense has become is a lot of that is because of Leslie Frazier, obviously, being the defensive coach. Um, and also, I have a ton of respect for the way that he helped handle the DeMar, DeMar Hamlin situation, because obviously that's a tough thing to endure, especially as the, the guy that's coaching him every single day uh, in practice. So. Leslie Frazier is at the moment kind of investigating other options for his future, whether he's going to retire, whether he's going to coach for somewhere else. I don't know if he's going to be offered a head coaching position the way that he might have um, in previous seasons with the success the Bills defense has had. Um, but I don't see him being back with the Buffalo Bills, do you? No, he won't be. Yeah, I don't think so either. But if you guys are just now tuning in, you're live here in the sit-down of the Built-In Buffalo Networks Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. This is, of course, presented by Duff's Famous Wings and hosted by myself, the Sauce God, at Buffalo Sauce God, across all social media platforms and co-hosted here by my guy, Mafia Montage, at Mafia Montage, who you can also check out Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Buffalo Blitz, him and Peter DiBiase, who you guys just had Ryan Talbot on. Um, the other night. So actually real fast, before we get into our next topic montage, what are some of the things that you actually got to talk about with Ryan Talbot? Who's kind of right there in the ear. Uh, you know, he's got his ears right to the Buffalo bills. Yeah. I thought it was really cool uh, to talk to Ryan and be able to get some insight from, from someone who's kind of around the team a lot more than anybody else, um, that I know. And he had a good insight on like Dorian Williams and kind of what those guys, the rookies are looking like up up close and things like that. And I think that kind of helps us go into our second our, our another segment here is that, um, you know, he's seeing Kincaid and seeing how strong he looks, you know, with his hands and things like that. And I wanted to highlight uh, Trey's comment, too, um, because he asked and you asked the perfect time, Trey, because we were just going to go into this topic. So what snap share would you think acceptable for Kincaid? He may be our third best pass catcher, but he's not going to be third in targets. I think that's Knox. I think you're going to have Diggs, Davis, Knox, then maybe Kincaid, but maybe not even. I mean, you might have um, a Sherfield or Hardy kind of taking some some snaps away. And you got to remember like how Shakir was handled last year. This may be um, something where, you know, you, you see, I don't know, you may see like 30, 40 catches out of, out of uh, Kincaid. And then you may see, you know, an 40 to 50 catches from uh, Knox, maybe. So, I, you know, I don't know, uh, obviously, how the splits are going to go. But just guessing that Knox is, like, always open. He's always freaking open. If you watch the tape, he seems to be away from the play oftentimes. So I think that they're going to take advantage of that. They're going to go back and look and try to take advantage of guys that are wide open. That would be the smart thing to do, in my opinion. But, I, you know. I think throwing the ball to a guy who's wide open is much easier than throwing a guy who's covered. Would you agree with that? I definitely would agree with that statement. I think um, it's definitely going to go Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis at the moment, and then it's going to probably from then, I, I agree with you on that one, that it's going to be Dawson Knox because Dawson Knox is the veteran. Dawson Knox is getting paid uh, top tight end money, and he definitely has the experience. But I do think that beginning the season – the Bills may target Kincaid a little bit more just because it's unexpected, right? That's kind of my gut feeling. And I think that Dalton Kincaid is definitely going to get a lot of red zone targets as well. I like that. Um, I think, though, 
it's tough when I look at this argument, right, between the two tight ends, when I'm really more concerned about what are the targets going to be like for Khalil Shakir and Dalton Kincaid, who are more likely going to play a lot of that slot receiver role, right? How are they going to split those up and who's going to necessarily be targeted the most in that circumstance? I think that Khalil Shakir right now has proven that he has definitely he could definitely play at the pro level. Um, we have to see what Kincaid can do when it comes time with actual NFL competition um, and not just OTAs. But I do think Knox will end up with somewhere around, I'm going to guess, 55 to 65 catches this year. And I'm going to say Dalton Kincaid right about 40 to 50. And so, I again, I think that Dawson Knox right now is going to command more of those targets. But should Dalton Kincaid play really good football this year and have a great rookie season? You might see Dawson Knox start to become less and less of an integral point of this offense. But like you said, the guy is always open. He's just got to come down with the ball. And that's something we saw him tune up a couple of seasons ago. He he limited those drops a lot more than he did in his previous couple of years. But um, that's going to be the biggest thing, you know, because we cannot afford to shoot ourselves in the foot at all this year. We've got to execute because I think that a lot of people are looking at Josh's injury last year. A lot of people are looking at the poor offensive line play. But let's just talk about the drops for a minute. Those drops on third down situations where we could have a first down stall us out. I mean, that's really what helped derail the offense later in the season was the fact that they were just shooting themselves in the foot with either stupid turnovers or drop passes. So for me, again, I like uh, I like Kincaid's hands quite a bit. I like what I've seen in the tape, and I like what I'm seeing in OTAs. But right now, Dawson Knox is that proven target for us, and he's the proven part of this offense. And I think that there's really no other questions that have to be uh, arise with that. But let's go into our next one here of who's going to get more carries. You guys are live here in the sit-down of the Built the Buffalo Network's Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter live every Thursday night here at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Join us every Thursday here in the sit-down. Montage, Damian Harris, or James Cook, who's going to get more carries? Yeah, I think um, carries overall probably Cook, but it might be closer than you think because I think Cook may be throwing the ball more than um, handed. So, you know, it's going to be fun to see how they kind of carve out these roles. I think Cook's obviously more of the receiving back. He still has a chance to be a three-down back and and run between the tackles and things like that at times. But I think why do you need to do that? Uh, they don't need to do that super consistently. They can do it at time, like when the matchups there, so certain games, they're going to use him to do that. But I really think it's matchup dependent on how many times they actually hand the ball or or toss it. Um, You know, so how many rushing attempts James Cook gets um, is going to depend on the the matchups that we have. And then Damian Harris is going to be used very situational, I believe. You know, obviously at the goal line, he's a bigger back, so we can use him um, when we need to pound yardage. So some of those you know, third and ones or some of those QB sneaks when you get Allen rolling, you may be able to hand the ball off to Harris and see if he can uh, get that same yardage. Now, if they start not having success with handing it to Harris and getting that yardage, then you're going to see more of Allen taking it upon himself because he's so big. It's easy to get one yard for someone that size and to get that um, short yardage gain. But I think they're going to initially try and see if they can do it with, you know, the new newly acquired offensive linemen and then also, uh, you know, a power back more so uh, in, in stature, uh, Damian Harris. So I'm excited, man. I think that um, Cook overall gets more carries, but it's going to be closer than the experts think, as Lee Corso would say. 
Yeah, I don't expect Damian Harris to get a ton of catches. I don't expect Damian Harris to do anything other than be a just downhill running back for us. So I think that James Cook is going to get more touches. Like you said, though, it might not be more carries, right? Because James Cook is going to be targeted through the passing game. We've all been kind of waiting for that to kind of break open a little bit more. And, I mean, he's coming into a sophomore season. So I think it's more likely that we're going to see James Harris, uh, James Cook, <laughs> James Harris, James Cook get more touches in total. But uh, – I think that it's possible Damian Harris might get more carries. I think if Damian Harris gets it going and he finds a groove, he might uh, kind of command more snaps throughout the game. And it's kind of like last year what we saw a little bit of with Devin Singletary and James Cook, who's got the hot hand. And so it's up to James Cook to really just step into that role this year and command that RB1 position and own it the best that he can so that, hey, you don't give up an opportunity. You don't want to relinquish your opportunity to somebody else, even in – even if it does mean for the better of the team, sure, but you just don't want to always relinquish those opportunities, especially when you are now stepping in. You're not behind Devin Singletary anymore. You have an opportunity. You started off your rookie season with a fumble, sure, but now all that's said and done, it's all history, and you got a fresh slate. And I like this Bill's running back room too, by the way. Um, here's a question I want to ask you real fast before we move on to Bada Bing, Bada Boom. Uh, do you think Naheem Hines or Damian Harris gets more touches on offense? Uh, Harris easily. Hines okay. Hines might not even uh, play much offense. He's gonna be. It's we got so many weapons. You know, I think it was kind of strange that they didn't do something with him in the off season, but they did restructure his contract. So I think Brandon Bean mentioned that Hines was brought here to be more of the part of the offense, but I think they just couldn't get him integrated potentially. So um, they may be looking more of a special teams role for him. Yeah, I think Naheem Hines is definitely going to continue in that special teams role, um, allowing him to focus on what he was able to accomplish last season with a couple of returns for touchdowns and try to bring that back as well this year because Naheem Hines was definitely explosive in the return game and set us up with great field position consistently on offense. So I think that you got your two running backs right there. You have the possibility of Latavius Murray as well, should he make the team as well. Um, but he kind of does what Damian Harris does in that downhill running back role. So I think, again, we've got our questions answered here. Montage, any comments you want to highlight before we move on? Yeah, I was just uh, chatting with John here in the in the comments, but we'll bring it out here. So he was saying, you know, Cook's averaging uh, 5.7 yards and then 4.4 uh, for Harris. And I think um, my take on that is that you're you're looking at a guy being asked to go out there and get as many yards as possible on each play in James Cook versus Damian Harris in situational runs more often where he's asked, hey, it's third and two, go get two yards, and that's all you need. So it's a lot more of, hey, if I can just dive across here rather than trying to break a tackle, I can just get the yards we need and live to fight another down, whereas Cook's like, no, I'm going to try to break this tackle because you know I'm trying to get as, many, as much yards as possible. So I think that's a little bit of a different ask from the offensive scheme and the, and the play calls. But um, yeah, it's, you know, Harris is going to be more of a short yardage situational runner. And um, we're obviously going to hand it to him when the times get cold and we got to, you know, try to eat up clock and eat yardage. I think he's going to be pivotal in those kind of games. If there's another wind game like that, you saw his success against the bills defense in that wind game. So it's, it's a lot of, um, again, it's going to be situational. I think both guys can do it. Um, as far as uh, three down back or, or be a feature back. But I think it's going to be James Cook having the um, 
you know, being the front runner and then Harris used as the situational uh, offset. Yeah. Um, another thing too, that I want to highlight real fast is that um, with that whole, hold on one second, let me bring, bring it back up, bring the, the latest one that you had up there. Four was it? So did he average 4.4? Did he average? Oh, okay. So no, Harris yeah. averaged 4.4. Yeah. I think that, uh, again, I just think that James Cook is going to be more of a, a target out of the backfield for Josh Allen versus in the running game. And I think that Damian Harris is going to kind of come in and play that traditional running back role. Um, but either way, I like the way that this Bills offense looks. I like the way that the running back room looks. I like the competition we have in the wide receiver room. And I like that we have uh, two tight ends that can come out there and possibly have a two tight end set on offense as well, which can make things confusing for other defenses, especially both of them are effective in the game. So, Montage real fast. If you guys have not already done so, hit that like and share. We're live here on the sit down on the built in Buffalo Dynamics Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter live every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I want to remind you guys, in case you missed the live version of this episode, the audio version of this podcast is via Spotify Podcast, Apple Podcasts, wherever you may get your podcast. The built in Buffalo Networks, uh, always available on the podcast. Uh, uh, any podcast uh, network for you guys, not just our show either. There's a bunch of different shows out there. Like you got the Not Your Average podcast. You got the Witty Not Funny podcast, Buffalo Blitz, Bill's Chat podcast. You guys got tons and tons of different Bill's content coming through Built in Buffalo. But I'll tell you what, Built in Buffalo is just about 200 followers away from 100,000 on Facebook right now. So if you guys have not already done so, promote the heck out of the page, share it. Whatever it may be, because I'll tell you what, we got ourselves a great collective group of Bill's Mafia content creators who are dedicated to providing not only the truth, but an entertaining aspect to every bit of what we do here on the Built Above Networks Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and whatever else there may exist out there. I know we got a website as well. So I just wanted to give a quick shout out to everybody at Built in Buffalo, Dave Myers, Akeem, everybody. You guys have all been kicking ass nonstop. And as we get closer and closer to the start of the NFL regular season, man, I am so thankful to be. Uh, podcasting with this network and i definitely love all the people that we get the chance to connect with and talk to because you guys should see some of the conversations that go on behind closed doors man there are some really good bills topics i mean i wanted to highlight this one real fast montage last week we all thought that deandre hopkins was in buffalo did we ever find out if there was any truth to that yeah i think he was in the area but i'm not sure he was necessarily like he wasn't he's at in allentown i'm just saying yeah so i don't think he was uh I'm looking at you, you know, Nate, ever here. meeting, ever meeting with the Bills though. But uh, yeah, he was in town. I think that it's possible he was on a connecting flight coming out of Toronto where he does train. Um, yeah. So that could be. He's going to hang with Von Miller as well. They're, you know, Von Miller and him are friends. So I think that, yeah. you know, it's probably something like that where he's visiting a guy he knows and things like that in town more than, you know, a meeting with the Bills. All right, Montage, let's move into our next segment about a bing, bada boom, the good things that we've seen in this world of uh, in the world of sports this week. Montage, why don't you start us off here? Boston sucks. I love Boston <laughs> sucking. It's so awesome. Dude, uh, the best thing I saw in sports was that the Celtics lost and that Boston really sucks. Um, and that makes me happier than than anybody because I'm just uh, over their their fans and that cockiness and now um, they were the like one seed in hockey and basketball and they both sucked um, so it just makes me so happy kind of warms my heart more than anything and uh, I'm just very <laughs> glad that Boston Boston was able to suck so bad you guys want to know the last time I agree with any Boston sports fan 
was when the, the Boston Tea Party happened when we're dumping tea in the fucking water because we didn't want to be taxed from the Great Britain. That's the last That's time right. I agree with any Boston sports fan. I'm just saying. But montage for bada bing, bada boom this week. All I got to say is Aaron Judge on an absolute freaking tear. The guy is six foot seven. You're in the judges' chambers. The guy has been absolutely annihilating the baseball since he's come back from injury. So that's got me saying bada bing, bada boom. Now let's go to our next segment here of Forget About It, which is the ugly things that we have seen in the world of sports, which montage, I'm going to start us off here. Listen, I got a lot of, a lot of love for my, my people back in Las Vegas. I spent a lot of time there growing up as a kid, and I also lived there as an adult. But the Vegas Knights with, with Jack Eichel going to the Stanley Cup Finals has got me saying, forget about it. I got no respect for Jack Eichel, man. The guy comes to Buffalo and absolutely shits on our town. It's got me saying, go whatever other team that the Vegas Knights are playing against. Forget about it. Montage, what are you saying forget about it about? Uh, I'm all about positivity. I'm going to skip this one this week. I don't have anything. Everything's going great. Um, Y'all are doing well. Uh, I guess Boston uh, sucks. Boston sucks still. So forget about Boston. That's it. I fucking love that montage. That's great. All right, let's go to our next segment here. Victory formation. How explosive is this offense? Montage, on a scale of 1 to 10, what do you think this Bills offense is for explosiveness? Yeah, so I wanted to just share uh, my guy Peter's um, tweet from earlier, if if I may uh, give him some love here. So he had some stat predictions on the Bills wide receivers, uh, some guys going after him in the comments about, you know, let us see the whole picture about Josh. No, this is just the receivers. That's what he's doing, breaking down by position group. So, um, you know, I think these kind of numbers show like the, the offense has a lot of talent on it. These guys are going to, you know, get the ball spread out. I expect, you know, backs and tight ends to be added. And I'm sure Peter will come up with his predictions. Um, so I'm going to be looking out for that. So if you haven't already follow our guy, uh, Peter DiBiase here at built in Buffalo, um, you know, coming out with some, some good predictions. I'm, I'm interested to see how close these are going to be. I think Diggs. um, gets even more receptions than 110. Honestly, he's, he's probably going to be on tap for like 150 targets. And I think he, you know, catches a bunch. So um, I like the Gabe Davis numbers. That's probably where he might be, but uh, Sherfield might, it, it, depending on how Sherfield comes along in this offense or how hard he comes along in this offense, you know, one of those guys could eat into that um, Gabe Davis prediction and, and bolster their own predictions. And then Sh- Shakir is a little bit lower than people might think. And I just think that, um, the trend right now amongst um, a lot of uh, Bills folks and, the, you know, quote unquote experts, let's say maybe, um, is that uh, they they don't think Shakir is really being utilized highly um, and that he's not necessarily finding his niche in this offense. He's kind of a, a kind of a copy of what maybe they already have or, you know, maybe a Shurfield or, or someone like that kind of, you know, plays some of the same role and then Kincaid kind of takes that slot role as well. So it's going to be difficult uh, to see Shakir getting a ton of production, but I have all the faith in the world in him. I think as a young guy, he's going to come in um, and work his tail off and hard work uh, wins more often than not. I think you're going to be surprised by what you see out of Shakir given uh, maybe you didn't read or see this yet, but I just seeing a lot of people maybe um, a little bit more, down on Shakir, not thinking that, you know, he's going to be as productive because of the role he might have with other guys in similar roles uh, as competition. 
Especially with the addition of Dalton Kincaid. Yeah. I mean, just because they let go of Isaiah McKenzie and Cole Beasley is not back on this Bills roster doesn't necessarily mean that Khalil Shakir just slides into that slot receiver role. But I think that he should. But I, I really think that the kid is super productive. And I think that he makes this offense that much more explosive just because if you have Stephon Diggs out there, you have Dawson Knox out there, you have Gabe Davis out there, and then you have Khalil Shakir out there. Well, if all those other guys are taken, Khalil Shakir can come down with the football consistently. He doesn't drop the football. He can go up there and get it. He can go over the top and get it. It doesn't matter. He can go there for a possession catch. It doesn't matter. So for me, I got the Bills offense when they're not clicking as an 8.5 out of 10 for explosiveness. But when they are clicking and they are doing things right and they're not shooting themselves in the foot or committing turnovers and they're taking care of the football just time and time again and they're finishing drives, it's definitely a 10 because we've seen exactly how volatile this offense, how it just can blow up at any freaking moment and it can explode and absolutely take over a football game to where if their defense is just playing good enough, they're going to win every single football game there is, right? So I think, again, the Bills are right there. It's just a matter of execution. It's a matter of not shooting yourself in the foot constantly because, again, I never believe that the Bills have ever lost to an opponent except for themselves in the recent couple of years. So, again, Montage, I like that for the victory formation. Let's move on to our next one, which I'm going to give you this one just all alone. And, actually, I believe that we can play this um, this clip right here, too. I don't think this is going to hit us with a little copyright. Let's get it going. <laughs> I love that, man. I'm Great done. stuff. Um, one of the things I wanted to highlight for this is um, another tweet by my guy, Peter. And uh, sorry to be uh, heavy on some DiBiase tweets today, but I wanted to highlight these for him. Um, he's, he just started an internship at uh, Syracuse.com. So if you haven't done so, check out. He's got an article out there for Syracuse.com as well. But uh, is Matt Milano the best player on the current defense? And I thought it was interesting because PFF just came out with a um, three best from every team in the AFC East list. And on that list was Josh, Vaughn, and Diggs. Now, I mean, in person, you know, in, in namesake, you definitely have, you know, Vaughn over Matt Milano. But in, you know, actual, you know, reality, I think Matt Milano could be the better player for this defense because he knows the defense um, in and out. He's kind of the leader there, the position he plays. Um, Von Miller, when healthy, is a scary good player, but he just wasn't healthy necessarily last year. So we kind of missed out on seeing, you know, how primetime he could be as the season gets down to the end. And and we and we missed that. So I think people might think that um, because Von got injured, he's not necessarily the best. Um, and Matt Milano is. But I, I kind of think that um, you know, a healthy Von Miller is, is difficult to stop. And if, if we have Miller with Trey White and Matt Milano all going at their at their top level this season, it's going to be a scary defense to deal with. Excellent montage. I like that. I, I definitely agree. Matt Milano is, to me, the best player on the Bills defense. And when healthy, I think it's, to me, next in line is not even Von Miller. I think it's Jordan Poyer or Micah Hyde. I think that those two play their positions exceptionally well, and they're definitely leaders on that football team. And they definitely have been huge contributions to what we've had in any sort of playoff success or any regular season success. They have definitely both done their job. But Matt Milano right now, and as of last year, was the defensive player of the year for us uh, for – for the Bills squad. So I definitely agree with that statement. Let's move on to our next one here. Montage of the unsung hero. Will a dark horse make 
the roster or be elevated from the playoff squad or playoff squad practice squad. I think if you're going to see anybody that might not make the roster right now, but maybe make the roster for me, it's Justin short, just because of his athleticism. What do you think montage? Yeah. Going to piggyback a little bit on what Ryan Talbot said on Tuesday on our podcast, the uh, Buffalo blitz, but I think Alex Austin as the cornerback process prospect and, um, the offensive lineman Nick Brooker could potentially be later in the season kind of developmental pieces that come in and play specific situations and help us with depth pieces as we probably navigate some nicks and things like that. So I, I think that if guys are banged up and hopefully we don't get the injury bug like we had last year, cause that was just insane. But I think, you know, if, if guys are going down or certain positions are of need, guys like Nick Brooker and Alex Austin, those those late round draft picks could come in and provide some depth or some situational play uh, at, a, at a decent level, hopefully. Uh, that's what, If they're going to be elevated, hopefully they play well. So uh, we're looking for those kind of guys to come in and, and make an impact this year. Excellent. I like that montage. Let's go into our next segment here of the weakest link. Will a veteran be a surprise cut? Whew. I honestly think it's possible. Um, if I had to guess, mm, I think that it's possible maybe Jordan Phillips gets cut. Maybe. Maybe. Just saying. If there were going to be any sort of veterans that I think that have been instrumental to this team's success and have been there and have played and had serious time as a starter, I think it could be Jordan Phillips. What do you think? Yeah, I wasn't thinking about him, but I definitely think that you're right. I think that could be a potential. And, uh, you know, for me, it's uh, thinking about Mitch Morse. I think Mitch Morse, if healthy, is is the best option for the Bills that, that we have on the roster right now. But, um, you know, if, if he can kind of mentor Bates during training camp and then Bates maybe uh, has a little more upside to him at the center position. But last year when Bates played center, I just didn't see the continuity out of the offensive line that I saw when Morse played. So I, I really am not, uh, I'm hopeful that that doesn't happen because I really like the, what Morse brings uh, from the mental side of the game and from getting the linemen um, aligned and all that stuff, calling out the lineman calls. And so Josh doesn't have to do that. Uh, but it, but if he has any more issues with any concussions and might have uh, any setbacks with, with injuries, I think he could be, you know, someone that we see not on this team uh, come come the regular season. Excellent. I love it. That's going to bring us into our next segment here of the Mon- Mafia Montage Maniac of the Week making a reappearance, huh? Yes, sir. Let's get that kicked right. off. Let's get to it, brother. Yeah, this week's Mafia Montage Maniac of the Week is going to be Greg Rousseau. We're looking for Greg Rousseau to come in, um, be on that gunpowder and gasoline formula that Vaughn was feeding him last year. Hopefully he gets back into that, takes that next step. I'm really excited to see um, Greg Rousseau step in at, you know, as a more tenured veteran. I want to see him come in and and really make an impact and kind of be such a compliment to Vaughn that maybe they don't need to come out and um, sign another veteran defense spend like people are kind of clamoring with. So this week's Mafia Montage Maniac of the Week for me is Gregory Rousseau. 
I love it, Montage. That's a great choice. Greg Rousseau, you hear that? We need you to be that Mafia Montage Maniac of the Week, week after week after week. So, Montage, let's go to our next segment here of Getting Saucy. Let me tell you something. I want to say to everybody, hope you guys all had a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. I hope you guys are all ready to get through the month of June and enjoying your summer because I'll tell you what, man, Bill's training camp is right around the freaking corner. If you're over there at St. John Fisher, you got to stop over and say hello to the Sauce Got a Mafia Montage because you know we're about to be there and getting our dose of Buffalo Bills action. Guys, we are that much closer. We're in the month of June. Two months, and we'll be watching the Bills play in preseason football. And I'm going to tell you guys, join us here every Thursday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on the Built in Buffalo Network's Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. This is presented by Dove's Famous Wings and Built in Buffalo is in partnership with PLB Sports, Picasso's Pizza, West Her, and Ticket IQ and Mafia Montage. You guys can catch him Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on the Built in Buffalo Network with Peter DiBiase every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Buffalo Blitz. And join us back here next Thursday, Thursday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll see you here, Bills Mafia. Go Bills. Go Bills. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.